0: Thank you for having us back. I'm so excited to be here and continue a series that you guys have already started through Thessalonians. It's called Being in Christ, and I have a caveat with this one. I'm calling it Being in Christ because time is short. When we think about time, we have this idea philosophically that time just goes forever, and when the end comes, it comes. And even beyond our own life, we do it with the planet. We sort of think that the planet is going to just go on forever, the universe is just going to go on forever, even though science tells us that that's not true. There was some kind of amazing beginning, and there's some kind of pretty amazing ending where I think the whole thing blows up, but anyway. More importantly, the Bible tells us it's a story. There was this off-the-charts amazing beginning where God's just like, ping, 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 putting stuff into place. And then the end is like an epic movie when you read the ending. Like it's just, we're going to be watching from a really nice movie theater. I think they're like comfy sort of cloud seats. And we're going to watch this incredible movie at the end that's just, wow, we're going to be blown away by it. And we know that it's, there's a story and we're in the middle of it, somewhere in the middle in which God says you are part of it. You are players in it. You have an important role within it. And we know we're near the, the end of the story more than the beginning of the story because there's so many things that we used to speculate. This is before my time, probably a couple hundred years ago, about miracles that had to happen because the stuff that they're saying in the end times, that's not even possible. Whereas today, we're like, yeah, okay. An atomic bomb could do it in certain parts. Um, the internet could do other parts. How do you see an event all around the world at once? Seem like something that was far fetched. Now it's like, oh, I just turn on the TV and do that at any moment. Like, I go in on mission trips. I have to, like, put tablets in the water and filter it about through 50 different ways so I can drink it. But they got internet. She's always like, what? How, how do you have internet? And I have to, like, run the water through 15 processes before I can drink it. So we, we are in definitely near the end. More than the beginning. How far in the end? It's tough to say. We don't really know that. But philosophically, we act like we're in some sort of it's going to last forever type of environment. As you jump into Thessalonians verse 5, actually chapter 5 verse 2 says this, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, Then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Knowing that we are closer to the end, knowing that it could come as a thief in the night at any moment, and everything is in place for that to happen right now, it should cause in us action. I think that's your first blank in your notes, too. It says, uh, there's a blank there, as we know the end of the story, Matt Deeds talked about how amazing it was and how the things are going to happen. Or I should say the amazing it's going to be. He talked about all of that. Knowing the end should actually cause action in us today. There is something that we are supposed to be doing because we know the end of the story. And we know how this story ends. We know that it is a story. And we know that we are part of the story. That makes us very different than most people in this world. Romans 13.11 says, Do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Knowing how the world ends, knowing how this story comes to a conclusion, is supposed to cause action in us. There are responsibilities as our part to play As the story comes to an end. It's a fun part. It's not as bad as you may think. It's actually really cool. Jesus said, No one knows the day or the hour, nor even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. This means there's no need for us to like panic and be scared because in the next hour it could be the end of the world. On the other hand, knowing this, we shouldn't be surprised if the end of the world comes in an hour. Wouldn't that be weird? I think it'd be weird. (laughs) But we're supposed to be ready. So what what does that mean? How are we supposed to be ready? Thessalonians goes there, verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another, and build up one another just as you also are doing. Here's what's neat. When we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are at a tremendous advantage. When you have done that, you've come to that place in your life, and maybe you haven't and you're here today, do it before today's over. Because you're at our tremendous advantage knowing that Jesus died on this cross, died and went into wherever, comes back in three days, which we're going to celebrate at Easter, and then we accept him as our Savior, gives us this tremendous advantage because now we know that we are going to spend eternity with him that we have this incredible retirement plan. Even if you've never prepared for your retirement here, you've got the big one, which is called eternity, which is kind of a big one, right? Amen? Yeah. Guess, come on. Come with me. We're going to go on a journey, and I want you to come with me. You have this all locked up. So now... You get to step back and say, I can truly live today. I can really enjoy today and do what God has asked of me today because I've already locked up the future. I know what that's going to be like somewhat. I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be really good. And I'm excited about that. But because that's done, I now can truly live in today. And what does he say to this new church that he's talking to right here? He's saying to the church, what I want you to do now as you wait, because it could come at any moment, what I want you to do, here's what I think, he, I think we think he'd say, is I want you to get your M16s ready because we're going to battle. That's not what he says. It'd be weird if he said it here anyway. But what he says is encourage each other and build each other up. What a fascinating thing for God to say. As you wait, what I really want you to do is to encourage each other and build each other up. What a weird thing to say. Not prepare for war because, man, it's going to be nuts. It's like, you no, know, I've already finished that war. You can go ahead and read about it if you want. I'll tell you how it all ends. I got people for that. What I want you to do, my church, is to encourage each other and build each other up. I find that Awesome. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. It would be us. We are eagerly awaiting him. He is coming back. We know that's happening. We know that heaven's in our future, so now we can truly live. And how do we truly live? By encouraging each other and building each other up. When I lived in a corona, uh, we, My wife goes to pull that, I don't know, the weird one that you pull out of the sink so you can like spray down the whole kitchen. I don't even know what it's for. I guess it's like if you want to come way out here and spray things. Anyway, she's incredibly strong, so she pulls it up and pulls the entire pipe right out of the wall. <laughs> so water is like poof, all over the kitchen. And this is a Saturday morning, and we're right, we're panicking. I run, turn off the water call a plumber. That's just the first one I can find in the, you know, I want to say phone book, but I didn't have a phone book. It's Google or something. And this guy shows up within 15 minutes, which was amazing. He walks into the house, sticks some kind of Kleenex in the pipe, hands me a bill for $200 and says, all right, you're done. I'll come back Monday and fix it. And I'm like, okay, $200 seems a little steep, but you know, he's coming back Monday I, should, I suppose I should be thankful that he showed up. I don't know. I like $200. <laughs> he shows up Monday, and I want, it was less than 15 minutes. He puts a little piece in, like, glues it, done, walks out, hands me another bill for $200. And I'm like, dude, I thought the other $200 was for this. He's like, no, you're lucky I even showed up on Saturday. I'm like, to put the Kleenex in the hole? I could have put Kleenex in the hole. I, I paid him because I'm a nice guy. And I turned to my wife and I said, never again, never again will I just assume I don't know what I'm doing. Because I have a really big brain, all right? God gave me a brain. And I'm not just going to assume, and there's a, if there's plumbers out there, you guys are awesome, I'm not talking about you, it was that guy. <laughs> I was just so mad, because I'm like... I could have done that. I was watching him because I think I sipped one sip of coffee and he was done. And I'm watching him going, that was not that complicated. Now, I've had many of experiences with home repair since. And it it is difficult. There has been some anger, some emotional moments. But it's not impossible. It is a learned skill. And there's nothing, I'm so sick of us always sort of just assuming we don't know how to do something. When we come back to a subject like this, encouraging each other and building each other up, it sounds pretty simple. That's a very basic concept. And I think we sometimes relegate it out to like, yeah, I do it, but you know, there's other people that are really good at it. So I leave it up to them. We need to stop limiting ourselves and understand that these are learned concepts that the application of this is so important. It may be an easy concept. But we limit ourselves in the application. We're not actually that good at it. And I want to go here and really sort of talk about it. I call it growing grass on rocks. Because growing grass on rocks is something that's very possible. It's happening all over the world. And people, you know, you can make this happen pretty... Eh, you can make it happen. But it's not just going to happen. It's something you sort of have to work at to make it actually happen when we talk about moving people from A to B, that's something that takes, it takes work, it takes concentration, it's totally possible, but you have to apply certain principles to make it happen. And I say A to B because A to B can be so many different things, and I want to open it up like that. It could be as simple as um, a weight a weight uh, goal that you have. You want to get rid of some weight in your life. You know, that might be something that's going on, a personal weight goal. It could be a job performance goal. It could be a new life decision goal. It could be a personal achievement goal or a get rid of a bad habit goal. We have all these goals in life. We're very good at setting goals, but the application of moving from A to B is where the struggle begins, How many of you have tried to do something over and over again, but it just gets lost somewhere along the way in this process? Here's what's weird. The Bible talks about this. Check out what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12. It says this, but we request, request of you brethren that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. What is he talking about here? Cause he just talked about encouraging and building each other up. And he's talking about what, what you do while you wait because I could come at any moment. He's talking about mentors and leaders and people who are helping you do what you need to do in this life. He's actually talking about a very simple concept of encouraging and building up and being a mentor and helping someone move from A to B because we're all supposed to continue to grow. We're supposed to continue to work forward in life. And it's such a simple concept, but we are bad at it. People move people. Sometimes it's going to be through a poem or a song or a sermon. But something, there's somehow that you are moved by another person in this life. It can come in a dance. It could come in just a myriad of different ways. It can be an encouraging word given at the right time. It could be celebrating a moment in someone's life, just celebrating where they're at and what God is doing. But one way or another, the passion of other people move us. When we try to explain what that is, we'll speak of strategy and visions and, you know, there's just all these things lined up at the right time. But the truth is, someone moved us to go beyond behavioral changes. I could turn on the TV right now and there would be about, I'd say, 10 to 15 channels dedicated to some product that will absolutely change my life. It's an amazing product, and if I just apply what that product is, my life will never be the same. And I have a lot of those products, they're in my garage currently, (laughs) because all those products are, are behavioral changes. And they are right, if you made these behavioral changes, there's going to be some change in your life, but there's something about behavioral changes that don't stick, you know, it goes from the first month when you're like all into it. You know, you're juicing everything, you're doing the new workout plan, whatever it is. I call that one the flying workout. Whatever it is, you're like all into it. And then it sort of stays in the closet a little bit longer. And then it moves to the laundry room, which is a little you know, that product's starting to get nervous because it's getting close to the garage. Because once it goes in the garage, it's hard to come back from the garage. It's like oh, it's like one yard cell away from being gone. But it's all behavioral changes, and behavioral changes are not enough. I think of it like an anchor. See, an anchor, when you drop it in off the boat, the boat has the ability to move quite a bit. The boat will will have behavioral changes above water, but that anchor stays in the same spot. When we begin to move each other and encourage each other and build each other up, and actually be intentional about moving people from point A to point B and touch people at an emotional level, people will reach down and pull the anchor off the ground and say, okay, I'll go with you. And they'll move the anchor to the new place and drop it there. Instead of a behavioral change, they'll move anchors in their life When an emotional connection begins to happen between us as human beings caring for each other, moving each other forward as the Bible says we should be doing. This first step in growing grass on rocks, it's a very simple first step. It's point one in your notes. And don't panic. There's only one point today. So you're okay. There's only one point and it's know the details. Know the details. This process of moving people forward begins by knowing the details of each other. John 4:15 says, "The woman said to him, "This is how Jesus interacted with people. The woman said to him, "Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw." He said to her, "Go call your husband and come here." The woman answered and said, "I, I have no husband." And Jesus said to her, you you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. This is a very, this is a funny conversation when you look at it. There's so many sermons about this conversation and evangelism, and they're all really good. I want to step back and talk about the emotional connection between Jesus and this girl. The girl is asking for water, and he goes, you know, you should go call your husband, It's like, what? I don't have any, I don't what? I don't have a husband. He he knows the details of her in such an emotional deep level that he changes her life. And she seems to be an incredible missionary as you look later in the Bible. But he changes her whole direction in life by what? Knowing the details. Now he's Jesus, okay? So we can't, it's really hard to look at Jesus and go, oh, I just do that. That's easy. He's he's God. He knows a little bit more about us than I think we realize. So we have to be better at asking great questions, like powerful questions. We have to go beyond these simple questions that we're used to. This is the, a lot of you probably did it this morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. Awesome. That's great. And we move on. Because if we say, hey, how you doing? The guy goes, well, you know, to be honest, like, whoa, 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 whoa. John, are you, oh, I'm sorry, he's calling me. He's <laughs> saying, we are done. I got to go. Because we don't want to have that conversation, the conversation where the guy says, well, we're done. That's it. Right? Are you following this? <laughs> yeah? I want you to be with me. Are you with me? We have to go beyond, how are you doing? Good. Great. We'll see you later. And this is hard. This, this means you have to walk a little slower through the hallways. Because, If you say how you're doing, care about the answer. And it's such a simple concept, but this is the beginning of understanding what we're supposed to be doing here on Earth, knowing the details of each other. The way I like to do it is I'll say, what else? How you doing? Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, what else? Well, you know, just just trying to make it by. (laughs) This is how this conversation goes a lot. (laughs) And I'll go, oh, yeah, I know, I understand, what else? Well, you know, just the the job, it's been a little rough this month. Finances are down a little bit more than normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, honestly, I mean, I I don't even know how I'm going to buy groceries at the end of this month. I'm like, man, what else? Well, I'm giving my life to God, I'm at church, I'm serving, I'm trying to do my best. And I can't even, I don't have enough money to buy groceries at the end of the month. I can't even support my own family. I don't, I don't understand why God would do that. Now you're ready to have a real conversation. It took a minute and that minute happens all the time. I promise you, but that extra minute, now you can actually have a real conversation in which you can do what exactly what scripture says, encourage and build each other up before we go to heaven. Do you see it? Simple concept, the application's the hard part. We have to do this. There's no person in your life right now that is there by accident. You have a unique spiritual gift. You have unique talents. Beyond that, you also have a unique job. And you live in a unique neighborhood. No one in your neighborhood and also works where you work has the same spiritual gift you have, the same talents you have, the same personality you have. All of those are so unique to you that God has placed you in that particular spot and put those people around you for what? I don't know. Ask some powerful questions and find out why you're there. Because it's not by accident. He specifically says you're part of the plan we're near the end and I have a purpose for you so figure it out. First Thessalonians 5:14 says we urge you brothers we urge you brothers admonish the unruly encourage the faint hearted help the weak be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. He's so specific and it sounds so simple, but we're missing it all the time. God is not impressed when we are annoyed by his creations. He uniquely put all these people in the world. You know, we know there's a unique fingerprint, voice print, face. It's amazing how faces look so different. God continues to break the mold after he creates each person. We're always trying to look like each other and dress like each other and clone each other now. It's crazy because God is the exact opposite saying each one of you are so unique and I have put you there. So when you make fun of someone because they're different, you're actually making fun of my creation. Or far worse is when we look down on someone because of a race or a social status, or on and on through our history. God is not impressed when we are doing that, if someone's different that's around us, when someone's a little more difficult to talk to. He's not impressed when we're annoyed by that. Here's how he speaks of his creations. 1 John 3.1, he says, "See See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that he would be called children of God. You're making fun of a child of God. Jump. We're going to go to John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Greater than what Jesus did. Because I go to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What's his point? And I skipped about 10 verses that are also about the same subject. What's his point? He uses people to move people. He's going to use you and I. He's going to use those around us. And we're unique, so we need to understand that. I remember being in a senior in high school, and this old guy walks up to me within a crowd of people and says, hey, man, you are a leader. Begin to lead for God. And I'm like, what? You know, I mean, there was no reason for him to say that. I mean, it was a crowd of people. It didn't even make sense. And I'm all, Okay. And it changed my life because someone had an encouraging word for me in that moment. And I don't know why. I assume it's God. But it was an amazing moment. And we have to go beyond good questions to powerful questions. A good question is, hey, what, what goals have you set for yourself in life? I can, I can answer that really quick, you know, about one sentence. But a powerful question goes beyond and says, hey, what makes the goals that you have set for your life effective, If we will just reword our questions to be more powerful, we will cause conversation that goes much further. Saying why my goals are effective is going to take longer than a sentence. You're also going to learn what my goals are. You're also going to learn if I think I'm getting near my goals and if I need to adjust my goals. All from a very powerful question. There's questions we can say, what issues are truly important in your life right now? What obstacles or challenges are you facing in your life right now? Is there some things I can be praying about specifically when it comes to your goals? All of those are conversation starters. They go further than yes or no. They go further than a sentence. And then remember, what else? And tell me more. Really good things to add. People will get annoyed, but it's fun. (laughs) Jump to verse 16, 1 Thessalonians 5. It says this, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And what I want you to see is action word, action word, action word. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Don't quench the spirit, which is the opposite of an action don't quench something. Continue to fan the flame of that instead. Examine. Hold fast. Hold fast from evil, which is an action. Don't let the evil of this world take you over. God wants us to be action stars. As we get closer to the end, He expects action from us. He expects us to care about each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Think about, think about the questions that Jesus asked people, he was kind of good at this. He said, "And why are you worried about clothing?" That's a question that you're like, "Well, <laughs> um, I, everybody looks good around." You know, you just, you have to like step back and go, "Okay, you're right." I I I realize I need to make a life change. Uh, he said, "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul?" That's a pretty good question. That's a question that's going to like stop you and reevaluate your life by one sentence. Man, Jesus is really good. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in yours? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see how Jesus was really good at this? And I know we're not Jesus. Man, it'd be nice if you just could like bam and just penetrate someone's soul go down the rope emotionally pull the anchor out and move someone about a million yards forward with one sentence because that's what Jesus does I wish we could do it so what we have to do is we have to practice and practice and practice we have to on a daily basis say you know what I know he's a good plumber but I can learn this skill you know what This is not going to be easy to be as good as Jesus, but I can learn this skill. God has given me a brain and he shows me over and over in scripture exactly what I need to be doing. I can learn this skill of encouraging and building each other up. We can grow grass on rocks. We can move people from A to B if we're willing to put in the time to say, God, you've told me what to do. It won't be easy. It'll take some time but I will learn this skill. That's the action stars that God's looking for. I brought a tool with me today. Um, It's it's book three for me, and I'm very excited to present it to you guys. It's called Growing Grass on Rocks. Surprise. Um, It's a tool. Meaning as you work through this, I've given you kind of chapter one today, but there's ten, and as you work through this and you apply these principles of what God's told us to do, of how to move people from A to B, if we will do that, if we will be the mentors that he talks about, then we will also see our own life move from A to B. There's probably some steps along the way that you've struggled with and you keep trying to overcome, but you can't quite get there. If you will begin to do what Scripture says and encourage others and build others up and be a mentor to others, you will find your own life moving from point A to point B. And I wanted to give you a tool, and I also do it for you guys kind of special because everything that we gain from this, all the proceeds um, that we gain from this, Sorry, I want you to buy it, and I want you to buy it for whatever you feel. So if you feel like, you know, $5,000, hey, that's cool. I'm I'm cool with that. But um, uh, grab one on your way out and buy it for how much you want, and 100% goes to the church plant. So on your way out, grab one of those, and it's a tool. It's a tool for us to help people move from A to B. I see Land, by the way. He designed this cover. You rock. So I'm going to close the sermon now. And I'm going to close it the way this chapter ends. And it's through a prayer. This is what he says in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. You guys need to start doing that. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren, encouraging this church, you and I, what we just did. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So that is my prayer for you as well. Let me pray for you. God, I do pray the same prayer on this group, that they would love each other, that we would care for each other, encourage each other, build each other up as the church, this young church that's being talked about in Thessalonians. They were beginning to do it, and he was acknowledging that it is awesome what they are doing. Continue to do it. The same for this church, God. Canyon Hills, what a blessing it is. Every time we come here, such an encouragement, always building Elisa and I up. I pray they would do the same for each other, and we would do exactly what your scripture says to be doing, caring for each other, because the day is coming to a close. And any moment you can return, I'm excited, God. For what you are doing. I'm excited, God, that you are reigning, and we just give you our lives completely, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.